When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time, the first Stop Hammer Time of the season. Uh, I'm uh, Jim Grant and I'm not Phil Whelans, who, uh, who's not with us this evening. He's, uh, he's busy. Uh, I couldn't be bothered. I don't know. He's doing something. I think he's having quite a stressful week, to be honest. Bless him. Um, uh, anyway, joining me this evening are, are a pair of Marks. Uh, we have Mark Sandell. Good um, evening, Jim. Um, uh, radio producer, is that is that how we yeah, would... Uh, podcast or... radio producer, yes. Uh, self-made man. Yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mark Gower, uh, educator and all-round good, good egg, I would say. How are you, Mark? Thank you, Jim. Yeah, really good. It's chaotic in the house here today. We've got decorators in. Um, we had A-level results, so my daughter got her oh, yeah. A-level results. So there's celebration, thank you, happening in the other room. And it's her birthday um, tomorrow as well. So it's chaotic. Wow. And that, like, we'll get on to, and that's impacted why I can't go up this weekend to Newcastle. But we'll talk about that later. We will. We will. Sure. Um, just before, so tonight we are going to be uh, obviously talking about some of the pre-season games. Um, the uh, the frenetic transfer activity that has been uh, going on. I can't keep up with it, really. Um, uh, looking ahead to Newcastle, uh, maybe one or two other things as we as we go along. Um, but just before we get going, uh, I need to tell you that uh, we are brought to you in association with Beer 52, and they have an offer. So the return of football is always worth celebrating and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your home. They are offering eight craft beers, sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com. That's the word beer and the numbers, 52.com forward slash West Ham and just cover the 5.95 for the postage. They are Beer 52, one of the uh, the world's most popular craft beer discovery clubs with over 150,000 members. Uh, they send a brand new case to every month, and I should know because I'm one of them, and it's jolly good. Every month's case has a different theme. Uh, they've included in the past beers from New Zealand, South Africa, all over the USA and Europe. Uh, as an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support and have continued to support throughout this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. So just go to beer52.com 
forward slash West Ham to get your first case of eight beers for five ninety five. That's beer52.com forward slash West Ham. There we go. Uh, and and off we go. Um, uh, did you go to the uh, Atalanta game, guys? No, I didn't get to go. I've seen the highlights, though, Jim. I've seen the highlights of actually all the games. Yeah. So far, but I didn't get to go to any, unfortunately. Mark, what are you? you uh, unfortunately, I was uh, in an airport uh, heading back from Greece for my oh. uh, uh, for my birthday surprise party, but I was watching right. it over the shoulders of both my boys who were watching a live feed of it on their phones in the airport. Right. So if that, yeah, I wouldn't exactly describe myself as close to the action, Jim, <laughs> but I gather we won. Uh, we did, we did. Uh, actually, quite comfortably in the end. Um, uh, uh, we went. Phil and I went. Um, and uh, my daughter's uh, partner, uh, Luca, who's Italian um, and has got a season ticket this season um, with us, came along as well. And he, he reckons, you know, he's, he's followed Italian football very closely um, and he reckoned Atalanta a decent, decent team. And actually, um, you know, I thought we played, we played pretty well, as we have done in, in most of these um, pre-season games. Celtic was an absolute romp. Um, uh, and I went to Brentford, uh, which was... You know, we had a good 20-minute spell um, uh, against Brentford uh, and then got a kind of a winner, uh, uh, slightly out of the blue, a kind of a, a really special goal from uh, uh, from Ben Rama. Um, and he's carried on, he carried on the form. You know, he was, he was, I would say, you know, best player on the park in the first half, definitely. Um, Fournals had a, a playing out left, had a fantastic game as well. Um, and we looked, you know, we looked a threat. They they were very narrow, um, and and that seemed to suit us really. So we contained. They didn't really threaten much at all. So it was a bit of a felt a bit like a training game. It wasn't one of those intense preseason friendlies, but um, you know, yeah, it, it's 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 on it's momentum, isn't it? You know, it's morale boosting stuff, I suppose. What do you think we can deduce from that preseason? Then we've we've played seven games. I don't think we've beat. We, we haven't lost any of them. Uh, we no. were, we're without our sort of I don't know, for want of a better phrase, our big Euro Four, uh, who weren't there. It was a shortened preseason break anyway, a because of Euros, but also because of the COVID season and all of that kind of thing. Yes, of course, it's much better to have seven unbeaten games than seven losses but how much can we really take away do you think Jim? I, I don't think you ever read too much into pre-season games I think we probably all remember the last time we were I mean it might not have been the last time but certainly a recent time when we were unbeaten uh, throughout pre-season was under Avram Grant so and we all know what happened then so um, I think it's good to get through with no major injuries I think that's uh, we've got Og Bonner got, got a knock but he I don't know what the state of play with is, but I think he seems to have been back in, in some form of training. Um, I think we look good. We look sharp. We, we, we're, we're, playing, we're playing nice football. Um, I, I like the fact that Coventry has come in and looked the part. Um, seems to have sort of filled out a bit and grown a bit. Because you know, he was going um, to go on loan, wasn't he? There was a yeah, and they've kind of changed their mind about that. I think Moyes Moyes quite rates him, and he looks assured and composed in that kind of deep midfield role. Um, whether or not he's got the kind of energy and and stamina to be able to ably deputise for Rice and Suchek is another question. Um, the new boys, the, the boys coming back in, the Czechs and and Rice did look a little bit 
you know, uh, um, as if they <laughs> were, were, were coming back off their holidays. But then Rice just raised his... There's about sort of 20 minutes for half time. Rice just kind of lifted it, you know what I mean? Suddenly started getting, getting his, putting his foot in and, and, and um, uh, distributing the ball and, and driving forward, you know, as we know he can. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the first team looks looks okay it looks good but mm. um i think you know the the issue is the depth of the squad and it's been that you know that's that we keep coming back to this week after week last year you know um uh, we we were told that we didn't replace Ale as as such we were obviously Lingard came in uh, in january um on the basis that you know the, the kind of saving our powder keeping the powder dry for the summer but so far there doesn't really seem to be much in a way of the action at all. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Sorry, Mark. I think you're right, Jim, that we don't get carried away with pre-seasons because I remember, like, the season before the last season at Upton Park, we were awful pre-season. So not to get carried away, but it is great to have those seven wins and or undefeated. And But also, I think this is a different side. I think we can pick real positives out of this. Because I think there's consistency. I think everyone that we do have understands their role within the side and what they're doing. I think they all get, uh, I sort of trust in Moyes as well, where he's taken us. But similar to you, like, I suppose one other thing that I would take from uh, the friendlies, Antonio's looked like a proper forward. His yep. finishing has finishing's been great. Uh, yes. He's he bullied people again. Obviously, we do need backup. We need support for Antonio because I'm not. I don't think for one moment he's going to get through the whole season. No. And if that, if you're just thinking we haven't even got, say we didn't have Europe, you we would still need at least a couple of backups for Antonio. There's a few things to say. I think, you know, David Moyes is clearly stressed and he's, he's been doing quite a few interviews today and he's clearly stressed the way that we ended the season. And he's, he, and the, the clear impression he's got is he's got, a, he's got the team playing how he wants it to play. I appreciate there's no Jesse Lingard. So he's obviously going, well, fair enough. We've, we've actually got better players. I think anyone would agree. I think, you know, one of the things that people talk about when we're talking the transfer market is that David Moyes is clearly an improver of players and I think that's really important and potentially you would argue should make West Ham a reasonably attractive place to come you've seen what he's done with Fornells for example he's a a hugely better player under under David Moyes so I mean that's the first thing the second thing is you talked about Connor Coventry it may well be that we are going to bring in some younger players which let's be fair at any different time of the season we're always calling on that you know we always want to see younger players coming through and you look at some of the sort of the young players that are featured in this, the other the fellow he bought from Celtic, is it Oco Flex, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thierry Nevis, who's bought in as well. Now, you know, as far as I can see, they may well be part of that. And as you say about Coventry, um, Jamal Baptiste in, at the back. Yeah, he, Baptiste, yeah. Odubeku may, you know, he's, he, he was on the bench, I think, something like 15 times last season. Well, at some stage, he's going to have to come on and play. And as you say, I think our mutual friend, all of our mutual friend, George Mann, points out that, um, Michael Antonio averages something like 22 games a season or something. Or no, whatever. exactly. 
So we so we know that, and we've got the added burden of the Europa League. The transfer window isn't over yet for a start. Certain players are going to come. We've already seen Ben Rama beginning to flourish in the way that we that we've we've wanted him to see. And the only other thing I'd say about the transfer window as well, and I get it, I get that everyone's a bit miffed that you know there was a joke knocking around on Twitter today that apparently we turned down signing Messi because he refused to play in goal. You know. <laughs> You know, which is sort of, um, and, and you, but you know, there, nobody's had a brilliant transfer. If you take out Man City and obviously the clubs with ridiculous pockets, I just listened to an hour on Talk Sport earlier today of Arsenal and Tottenham fans arguing with each other about who had the worst transfer window <laughs> and who's going to finish below the other one. I mean, yeah. all I'm saying is we're not alone here, are we? Yeah, yeah. No, and I think you know you you obviously judge the window uh, once once it's closed, um, and Moyes has got um, sort of form for doing business um, quite late on, and it, and and it might be shrewd in in the case of um, the window in terms of clubs' financial situations and the way it's gone. It might be shrewd to to wait um, uh, this time around anyway. Um, I think the one side we're about, I think the goalkeeper's good. I think, I think yeah, that good is, that's a good signing. Yeah. The right yeah. age, Fabianski, you know, retiring from international football today, um, probably only got a season or two at the top level left in him. Um, so that feels like a transitional signing. He's, Ariel is going to be someone who, who is going to be your first choice goal, goalkeeper potentially for, for a few years to come. So, you know, that, that makes sense. You can't argue with that one. Um, if this Milanovsky uh, guy comes, um, is it oh, Milankovic? Milankovic, Milankovic. Um, guy comes uh, again. My Italian uh, source tells me he's really good. Um, so that would that would be that would be a handy signing in a position where we definitely need reinforcement. But I think you're right. The crucial thing is, I think it would be madness to go into the season. Again, with just Antonio as your as your frontline striker, Bowen came on and played centrally, um, and clearly they see him perhaps as moving to a more central role with more game time for Ben Rama this season, who has looked good, and I think we'll see a lot more of Ben Johnson this season as well, yeah. and possibly in a slightly more advanced position mm. in his case as well, maybe mm. playing playing on uh, on on the right and, and further up the field. Um, just, just but even so. It would be madness to not just on the, and I, I take that. I, but on the Antonio situation, the kind of strikers that we would like to be linked with, I mean, Tammy Abraham was one, wasn't he? I mean, there's Bellotti as well. Are they really going to, you know, whatever, even if he only does play 20-odd games a season, Mikel Antonio is going to be our number one striker. So it's quite a niche market that we're then going for. Mm. For a player who's willing to come to West Ham, not to be the first choice, you know, so that's going to limit sometimes our, our, the extent of our ambition, which is why I keep thinking, I'm hoping there is this master plan that some of those young players who've had plenty of association with the first team might be where we go for that. And it may be that Antonio doesn't play in the... Well, you wouldn't expect him to play in the League yeah. Cup. Yeah, or I don't know. Yeah, you might... You, mm. maybe, but I can't believe he wouldn't play in the Europa League, but, you know, you would think... It, you know, I'm saying is that there must be some, uh, there, there has to be some other plan there because David Moyes is looking, as far as we can see, to strengthen the back. He's strengthened the goalkeeper. Milenkovic is a central defender. You know, Zuma they're talking about as well. It seems mm. to be he's saying let's let's shore that up 
and there yeah. must be something else going on. Mm-hmm. And it might be the Boeing thing. It may be Ben Rama. It may be we're tacking wider. You know, it could be those things. But obviously, Moyes knows as well as we do that he's not 38 games plus Europa League, uh, you know, plus the League Cup, is he? I think you're right, Mark. And I think that uh, it's an attractive uh, proposition for a player to come to West Ham thinking, well, they've only got Antonio up front. If I get a chance, and I will get a chance, because of the amount of games West Ham hopefully are going to play, and we're going to spend a long time on this European tour, you're going to get a chance. And if you back yourself, if you're confident, you come in and you back yourself to score goals, you're going to stay on the side. And he does. And if you look at the way Moyes does improve players, and we're seeing it already, Ben Rama, I think he, he made... What made a real difference for Ben Rama was playing with Lingard last season. I think that that must have helped him. And just seeing him in pre-season, he looked he looked he looked different class. Mm. The goal that he scored mm. against Brentford is brilliant, but just his all all round play has been great. So I think if you can, I think West Ham have a story. Like David Moyes got a story. We've got a strong history and a story to tell. And now there's a clear, I think, and we'll get onto this, I'm sure we talk about the Euros and the way Gareth Southgate um, led the England team. And I see that with Moyes. He, there's a real belonging. You under, you see that from last season. Everyone feels part of the team and part of the club. And I think that's quite attractive to want to be part of that. You can't be, unless you're English, you can't be uh, play for England, but you can come to West Ham. And I suspect that's also a big factor, Mark, in in why I don't think it's been that seriously mooted that Declan Rice was going to go this season. I think there's a kind of feeling that, going back to your story point, Mark, that actually West Ham have gone from being relegation contenders to being genuinely Europa League, not because we lost a cup final or Mm. committed fewer fouls than anyone else over the course of a season. We're in there on merit. And I think with you know th- that's a really big factor in why someone why Declan Rice will think I'm going to give this another season, mm, yeah, um, you know, and I want to be part of that. Might go, but I take your point about you will get a chance as a striker. But I just think if you're say Tammy Abraham, who who isn't going to feature for Chelsea, you're not really want to going to go somewhere and say I'm really not going to feature for them. For all we know, Antonio, you know, could last the whole season. I know it's but. So it may not happen. That's my that's my point. I think if you're leaving a club because you're not getting a chance, why then go to a club when you know you're going to yeah. be number two? But I get that. But I think there's a man. To, a lot of people talk about goalkeepers and the mentality goalkeepers. Have. I are think you, are you, you, as a, you as a goalkeeper. That's <laughs> what. Yeah. And but I think as a forward, you've got to have a mentality of confidence and that I'm better than him. I can go in, and if I get a chance, I'm going to get in that side. So, and I think there's no, if you're thinking that you want to play in the Premier League and you're going to West Ham, West Ham have got one, Not, and he's not even a striker, he wasn't always a striker. Mm-hmm. He's a, a makeshift, he's been turned into a brilliant striker. Mm. I love him to bit, mm. but we have one. That's got to be, you've got to think, I've got a chance there. I've got a chance to get in, into that side and play regular Premier League football. And he gets injured. I mean, let, let, uh, let's put it another way. We haven't replaced Lingard. Mm. So, uh, mm. I mean, we are, we, are, we are one man down in the attacking third of the field, whatever happens. So, you know, in the ideal world, I would say we need two there. We need another um, two uh, 
attackers. I mean, call them what you want. I mean, you know, the distinction between attacking midfield and striker is is, is increasingly blurred in modern football, yeah. isn't it? Um, okay. I I would be. I, I, I take on board all, all that you say, but I would like to think that someone, you know, a striker worth his sort would come to West Ham, look at it at a club and say, well, OK, they've got Antonio, but I'm going to prove I'm better than him and I'm going to get in the team, like Mark has just suggested. I mean, uh, the downside was the really worrying downside of, of all this. And I, as I say, I'm, not, I'm not, certainly not hitting the panic button yet, but um, is I just hope this season that we don't see hanging on to our to that kind of top six to a um, league position as the be-all and end-all. Because we've got a good side, we've got the best side as a team that we've had in a long, long while. And it, it, it's the, you know, we really genuinely do have a team that on its day could probably be at just about anyone. And therefore, it's a side that could win a cup, that could no, win so I'd love that. Um, I'd love that. And I would be really, really disappointed if we took a very pragmatic approach to just league position and didn't really go balls out to, to, to win something. And I think the way to keep Rice here beyond another season would be to win something. I mean, if he, if, I, I, I think it's a different proposition if, it, if at the end of the season he's, lift, he's lifting the FA Cup or something. Uh, um, you know, I, th- I, think, I think that would be a, such a signal um, to send... I think you're and right. I, my fear is that I think we might take that slightly more pragmatic approach, play the youngsters in the League Cup, you know, uh, possibly even the FA Cup as well. Uh, if we don't take Europe seriously, I, I think there really will be rumblings of discord. I think that is so. I think it's a risky thing because we're building something. Moyes is definitely building something, a team that you would obviously want to be part of. It's playing quite attractive football, certainly playing successful football. Um, it's got a togetherness. I don't think we want <clears throat> huge numbers of players just for the sake of it, but we do need. I think, as he said on Talksport stage, didn't it? We need we need two or three in. We've got to get in, who are quality, good enough to play in the first team. I mean, I, mm. I, I, I think it's vital and create competition. But Absolutely. you know that was that was his argument with bringing in the goalkeepers, wasn't it? To say right, we've got real proper competition there. Um, you know, and, and that makes an awful lot of sense. He, he was he was he was questioned on the two or three, wasn't he? Because and what he then said was he slightly backtracked and said because of the last three that we brought in have done really well. Yes, so I think he didn't want to be a hostage to fortune. The danger, exactly, you're absolutely right, Jim. Because the danger is that we end up falling short in all departments. So yes. we're losing our place in Europe. You know, we, we finished ninth or something, which, I, you know, a couple of years ago we'd have loved. We get knocked out early on in the Europa League. And as you say, because we're playing a weakened team in the other cups and we end up kind of just having muddled through. And you're, and going back to Mark's point about a story, there is a story. There's an upward story at the moment with West Ham. And it would, and you're right. And if it was to say, OK, let's prioritise, OK, let's go for the cups. We're in three cup competitions. We've already got the Betway Cup. That's done. That's, 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 that's in the cabinet. We've secured it again. Um, you know, if it was prioritised the cups, then you know, great. But obviously, what we don't want to end up is kind of a wishy-washy season, and then the the, the story, the narrative changes about West Ham again. Yes, look, look, they got close again, didn't they? Look, couldn't follow it through. And that that is such a story. <clears throat> We've been over mm. this ground in previous mm. podcasts, but you know, we just have a a, a long track record of. 
not building on good seasons. Um, so, the, the, you know, the first season, you know, um, uh, in, the, in, the new in, in the new stadium was yeah. was a disastrous window. Um, failure to build on on the good team that Redknapp created. Failure to build on 85-86, you know. Um, 1980, yeah, 81, that promotion team, you know, didn't really get, get invested in. Um, back, you can go, you can go back as far as you like. Yeah. A lack of, a lack of amb- ambition, a lack of recognising that there are times when you speculate to accumulate that you, that you, you've got, luckily you've got the manager that, that you've got rid of once back in who really, really is the business. Mm-hmm. Um, he's created that team spirit. You've got something going. I know the financial situation is is different to what it was, you know, even a year ago. But even so, I think you've, you've just got to, you've got to back him now. Um, oh, and thing, yeah. uh, it'll be a, I, I, you know, there will be real rumblings of discontent if uh, uh, if he isn't. You know, if we get to the end of this window and it, and it's if we draw another blank, it's another. Do you remember that one where we were chasing backer all summer, or you know, mm. some of that we've had some. You know, really, really disappointing. Um, you know, windows in the past. So, I hope that's not repeated. Um, I think we'll be incredibly lucky to stay as injury-free as we did last season. Another time, um, obviously, things have improved in terms of the physio and, and training and whatever. I think that's all part of the boys' package, actually. But you know, nevertheless, the, uh, luck plays a part in injuries, doesn't it? Look at Liverpool last season. You know, so. Um, and it was two, anyway, yeah. it was two two key injuries that probably prevented us getting those two extra points and being in the Champions League, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, in the end, yeah, the Declan, the Declan and the Antonio, you know, the... yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. You know, um, yeah. and, and, and I, you know, I think whatever level we're we're not going to have someone who's going to be another Declan Rice willing to sit on the bench in West Ham. You, we don't expect that necessarily, but I think at, certainly at striker. You, you could you you could you could get a proven top top class goal scorer in. I'm sure who would want to, and, and maybe someone with a bit of ambition who's who's more up and coming. But you know, the signing uh, of the goalkeeper, he's top class, and yes, yeah, yeah. number one. So that yeah. just shows you you can bring in a top class keeper who actually, or a top class player. This has to be a keeper who backs himself that when I'm in the side, I'm going to be now the number one. So I think it can happen, but you're right. Last season, we great first eleven, maybe twelve, but we were quite paper thin, and that hasn't changed, has it? We've got an abundance of right backs. I'd say probably with Ben Johnson, the way he's now shaping up, left back. We need desperate, really. I'd say for sort of left back, um, and then it is um, a centre back and um, midfielder and two more attacking players. But you would hope, you would trust, like you were saying, Mark, um, that there is a plan with Moyes. I don't think if it wasn't Moyes there, uh, we wouldn't be saying that. I agree. I don't think they would. They would have. They wouldn't be able to find the draw with the plans in. Um, mm. the, the great. I mean, the great thing. And as we've spoken before on the podcast, is is, is uh, that David Moore's record is fantastic. Actually, when you think of the players that he's brought in, and therefore, when you when I see people on Twitter going, "Why haven't we signed?" Danny Ings or whatever. Um, and I think, well, it, you know, clearly they're not, you know, they're aware of what Danny Ings can do. So maybe for whatever reason, whether it's age, whether it's how he's going to fit in, they will do their homework in a way that perhaps we haven't, previous West Ham regimes haven't done. How much did, how much did Villa pay for Ings? Uh, I don't know, actually. 
I think it's about 25 million. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought 25. 25 million. Million around that, yeah. I, I think the same people, if we bought Danny Ings 29, knocking on 30, yeah. uh, with, again, you know, uh, not 100% clear record of it, uh, clear of injuries in the in the past, I think they'd probably complain as, uh, as well, you know. Um, so Completely. Yeah, so what I'm saying is it's not like they won't have, as they say in tabloids, run the rule over. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. They, will have, they will have done their homework. And, yes. and you think, well, and, and as I said, we, I think we've just, we've got to say, look at his track record and say, well, if, there'll be something out there. And if it isn't now, hopefully it'll be in January. And clearly the whole process is less leaky. Than it than it used to be, you know. There there, there aren't all these uh, in the mm. know people all over all over the uh, social media who who are being fed tidbits of information. It's obviously a tighter ship in terms of what gets leaked in in terms of the business that's being done, you know. So, you know, I mean, even um, even Ariel's medical happened on the day before everyone said it was going to happen, yeah. didn't they? So on the uh, so. You know, I, I, and I like that in a way. It's, it's frustrating as a fan because you, you can, you know, you, you're sitting in the in summer waiting for the season to begin and, and wanting yeah. those snippets of news and, and, and so on. But um, I think it's better for the club. And, 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 and the climate as it stands, when there aren't many deals being done, you've got a whole bunch of Fleet Street hacks in a very febrile atmosphere feeding on every little scrap. So actually maybe we've discovered a bit of professionalism, which is, which, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. And you're hoping we'll get another future crossfield. But I, I've never heard of them, so I'd be quite disappointed if, if, I, if someone asked me. I think someone said, "Who would you like?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know. Yeah. That's not my <laughs> job. I'm a fan. <laughs> I don't know who I want. But if you yeah. can give me a check and a crossfield, yeah. I'll have a couple like them. I'll have a couple like them. <laughs> Any more of those? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Looking ahead, to, you know, to the start of the season, Newcastle coming up, uh, Leicester City the first home, first home game, and then uh, Crystal Palace. Those are the August games. Um, Crystal Palace is going to be a very new look. Crystal Palace, isn't it? Uh, yep. in, in, a, in a number of ways, difficult one to gauge. I think that um, uh, is the start of this season going to be affected by? Do you think so many teams have got, particularly the big teams, have got players coming back from what was a very uh, for many of them, sort of hot and intense um, European championships. Yeah, well, there was there is a theory, isn't there, that actually this is if, if you're going to want if you're going to play Man City or Man United, let's mm. or Chelsea, let's play them in those first couple of games when they've got so many players coming back from international duty. Mm. And if you remember last season, we had Newcastle on the opening day, and I think the next six games are against big, proper, you know, no disrespect to Newcastle, yes. but real big teams. And we thought if we get get a couple, you know, get three points against Newcastle on the opening day, it takes the pressure off us. And of course, we lost it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that um, Leicester should be in very good shape by and yeah. large. We know yeah. they are, you know, um, and, you know, so they're going to be fine. I think, you know, Palace have a, have a stickability about them. I think Vieira will be an interesting regime. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, um, yeah. But I'm more disappointed because we, our record against Newcastle, even last season, we had, we've just been talking about what a magic season we had. We lost to them twice. Yeah. Yes, incredible. Mm. You know, embarrassing, embarrassingly on the opening day, and we shot ourselves in the yeah. foot. You know, towards the end of the season, how did? I, yeah. I, how many other teams did the double over us last season? It won't be many, will it? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna have a little. Keep talking. I'm gonna yeah. have a little. <laughs> so that, that kind of bother, that, that bothers me a little bit because we our record yeah. we did well against Leicester last season, so that's you know fantastic. But we it, we do seem to have a bit of a problem in you because in the Premier League era, and you can tell I looked this up. We've only beaten them four times at St James's since 1993. Um, you know, we our record and our record isn't fantastic against them at home either. They seem to be. There are similarities, aren't they? You've got rumbling discontent with the fans. You've yeah. got rumours of a takeover, you know, in the background. The fans are also cheesed off at lack of transfer activity. I mean, you want to, if you think we're getting angry about not signing Milenkovic, look, go and look on Twitter and see how Newcastle fans feel about the Joe Willock saga. You know, yeah. so there are a lot of similarities. I know oh, one, yeah. one, one of the Newcastle websites said as of Monday, there were still 8,000 unsold tickets at St. James's. You know, so, really? so there's, there's, you know, I, I well, this is a regime. They're not, yeah. so they're, they're not, they're not as in love with their side or no. their regime. You know, mm. so, but you still think? I just think Newcastle will turn us over yeah. because they just always do. Yeah, they're not a million miles away from where we were fans, and probably we're not still out of that yet. We're not happy with the owner. They're not playing. They're not happy because they're not playing scintillating football under Bruce. They're not happy with Bruce. So you're you're exactly right, Mark. They're not. There's lots of similarities uh, in that club, and actually, it doesn't surprise me probably that they haven't. They've got still eight thousand tickets that they haven't sold. Um, so I think you're right. I think they're in a very similar uh, similar situation. But um, God, I'm hoping we do win it. Obviously, but it's it's sometimes where they put us, where we're so far away, yes. the away fans. It's a, it's a great view of the Tyne Bridge. It's just <laughs> somebody says it's about a quarter of a mile away from the centre spot. If you're in the back is, room, is, which I, is, which is I was a, a long... couple of years ago. The one yeah. difference, Mark, though, is you highlight there is that their discontent runs through the managerial side of things, and ours doesn't. Yes, that's where we change. That, yeah. that is a crucial difference. Our, our mm. discontent starts in the boardroom. It doesn't mm. get as far as the touchline when you're looking at, you mm. know, Kevin Nolan and Stuart Pearce and yeah. Paul Niven. But it wasn't far away from that. I, I, I agree. When Allardyce, when there was all the rumblings about football and the owners at that point, I suppose at that point we hadn't left uh, Upton Park. Um, but so I can see lots of similarities what's happened and the sort of disenchantment for the fans there that we, we can all uh, resonate with, can't we? Mm. Their pace is a worry for us, isn't it? I think that that's. I, I think we can we can hurt them, um, and I think particularly if if Rice and Suchak are, are, are sort of back and, uh, and and ready to go, we'll probably be able to, to to dominate in midfield. But they've 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 just got when um, Sir Maximum came on in that um, ridiculous game. I mean, the away game last season was 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 absurd, wasn't it? There's an appalling kind of defensive how there's Dawson getting sent off, um, but they brought back Sir Maximum on, didn't they? And he, you know, he was he was uh, he was absolutely mustered when when he came on. But we 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 clawed our way back into that. Don't forget. We, we did. Um, but the other thing was that that in the context of our form leading up to that game at St James's at the end of last season, that was a bizarre half for us. Up until, you know, yes. we were having such a good run of playing mm. decent football. You know, we were tight at the back. We could we were interchangeable with the central defence. And that was all, 
that was all looking really good. And that's why it was such a, a jaw dropper that first half is where's yeah. this come from? We suddenly yeah. look like we look like West Ham from last season. Well, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I agree. Context. Yeah, Fabianski, very uncharacteristic error, wasn't it? Um, it was. You know, it was. It was. Yeah, you know. So it was a bit freakish in a way. I th- I th- yeah, they are a bit of a bogey team, but I would make a slight favourites for this personally. Um, in answer to your earlier question, I think there were three teams that did oh, other well, than Newcastle. Uh, well, uh, Manchester, Manchester United, uh, of course, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Oh uh, right, okay, so yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> It's a fairly standard uh, you know, uh, set of three teams to, you, you might expect to have to do the double overview that Newcastle definitely falls into the category. Sure. I mean, the way to look at that is it means that 15 teams didn't do the double over us. And that's I think that's right. I yeah, think that's yeah. what we need to concentrate yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully take some points off the big boys. This uh, That would be that would be a, a good way of improving. I think we were very, very good against teams below us last, last season on the whole. With the exception of. Accepted. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and yeah, Ben Rama, you know, feels feels as though he's kind of really ready to to to, to let fly. Hopefully, he can re- reproduce that preseason form in in these first few league games, and uh, we'll you know we'll, we won't be worried as, as as worried anyway. Do we do we think the return? I know we talked about seven thousand potentially empty seats at St James's. I'm sure they will. It won't be anything like that by the time we get off to kick off. Do we think the Full house again uh, is going to make any difference because clearly our season was fantastic last season, with the exception of a few thousand when you were there, Mark, for the Manchester United game, and I was there for Southampton at the end there. And Jim, I know you were as well. Mm. With that exception, that season was conducted pretty much behind closed doors. And so that's uh, noise is up. Yes. <laughs> um, so you know, do we think that's going to make a difference with you know full houses again? I'm talking about fans' reaction yeah. on the it's Stop so Hammer Time website, time, isn't it? Yeah, we talked I, about the Neve, and you know, yeah. there's, there's the, we talked about the change of atmosphere, uh, you know, that could have happened had we been, um, you know, had we had full houses in those early games. We lost the first one to Newcastle. You know, the mood could have been different. You know, but, but there were no fans there. What do we think? Oh, it's so hard to tell. I, I, I'm, I think. Um, I'm sure it will make some kind of, some kind of difference, but I, I think it's very difficult to predict because um, I think I think we all agree we all agree that the atmosphere at the new ground at times has been has been quiet and and a little bit you know lacking. But then again, some of the what's been served up on the pitch has been less than dynamic. And I think Phil, you know, to be fair to him, right right from the start when we made that move, said you know. It's a it's a stadium in which you have you you know the team has got to play mm. a high tempo brand of football that's got to have that, that the team's got to bring the intensity and I think we have the team to do that and I think um, uh, I think a lot depends on how these 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 early games go um, and there is a level of expectation but I think I don't think it's that kind of sit back oh come on impress us I'm looking to be I'm looking to be uh, you know, discontent at the first opportunity kind of expectation. I think the fans want to see this team that they've watched on the telly. I think they appreciate the kind of work rate of players like Fornhouse and Suchek and Rice. And I think, you know, th- there's, it's such a wholehearted blood and guts team as well mm. as having a bit of footballing ability that I, 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 yeah, I think they've got the capacity to, 
to get the crowd but, yeah, going. Um, that really frustrated me from last year, I think. The one thing that obviously we're all sat, we're sat together, times we've sat together watching it on Zoom. And um, what I, what really sort of hurt me was uh, people say, oh, West Ham's doing well because they, they're not having to yeah. play with West Ham fans there. Mm. And I don't think that's true. With this particular side, I really enjoyed, I, I quite enjoyed last season. And, uh, well, I really enjoyed watching this last season and quite enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed the Zoom um, chats as well. And, but I'm really looking forward to going back, uh, going back. But this is a side, as you say, Jim, that, will really get behind um get behind this team totally yeah. and i think on the last podcast i was on now i talked about the research i was doing about home advantage and there's a piece that i've written uh about home advantage is more about actually being aware of your surroundings rather than the crowd i think yeah. a lot more too much of the onus is played on crowd influence on results and we've seen that because initially when I think uh, Reading uh, University did uh, quite a bit of research on this, that uh, the first few weeks there was a spike uh, in the change of home advantage, but then it levelled out back to where it was before. So home advantage came back home. And it's more about being aware of your surroundings yeah. and familiarity, understanding where you are in the change room, when you get the ball, not having to look up. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that aren't happening with design of football stadiums, but Tottenham just designed their new football game and what they did, create a new cop or wall of sound. But we've played a season without, a season of it without crowds and home advantage still exists. So I think they've not played that. Um, so, it, so knowing that bit of research and the work that I've been doing as well, it does hurt me when uh, I hear people say to me, West Ham did well because you weren't there. That's not. Yeah, that's that's not true. That was, you know, that that wasn't what I was suggesting. Yeah. I just, you know, I I just meant things like you know when the heads go down and sometimes that mood around the London yeah. Stadium yes. can change. Yeah. Um, and I think the early part of the season it did favour us a little bit. I think that 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 was behind. I'm also thinking about you know the the fantastic away support that we've got and the noisy away support yeah. that we've got. They, they again, you know, they, we did pretty well away from home last season. Obviously, we did pretty well full stop. But I think, you know, the the, the the sound of, you know, how often do you watch it on the telly if you're not lucky enough to get a ticket and all you can hear is West Ham fans? Uh, yeah, I mean, right. I, I, it's great, yeah. I, I, it is great. And I, it's one of, you know, one of the great joys of my life is going away with West Ham. And uh, the, the away falling is fantastic. I, I totally agree. Um, I went to the game at Brentford... And I, I'm going to touch on this briefly, but but because I, I, I put a little post on, I very rarely post on our Facebook group, our associated Stop Hammer Time Facebook group. Um, but I did put a little post because, you know, I just shared this thing about supporting the the players taking the knee. And I thought it was a very uncontroversial post because I just pointed out that, um, you know, there were one or two people who who, and it was only a few, but they were quite loud, who booed our team when they, took the knee at Brentford, including the bloke right behind me and my, my daughter, who was very vociferous in his abuse. It wasn't just booing, he was abusing them. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, this is fairly uncontroversial, but it turned into quite a, quite a threat, actually. And, and, and I, surprisingly, a few, you know, again, a minority, thankfully, but a few people who were willing to sort of say, well, yeah, they will boo uh, when... And, um, I wonder about just touching on really. I only raised it because of what you said, Mark. Because I, 
I think if 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 the first thing they hear at away grounds is a load of people booing them when they take the knee, I, I don't think they are going to feel very supported, to be honest. No. Um, mm. And I, I really hope it's something that just kind of dies away as the, as the season goes on and, and, and everybody gets behind them a little bit and just try and drown out the booers, really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, from my experience um, was at the Southampton game. Again, Jim, I know you were there as well. And um, there was a very pointed cheer and round of applause around yes. us the moment they did it it was as if to say and and to be fair no one in our little section as far as I could see Buddha though I clearly heard p- people had clearly done it and um, I, I, I completely agree with you and it is utterly absurd and there can be no excuse now for anyone saying it's political because it isn't right there's no mm-hmm. everyone has made that clear now mm. West Ham players have made that clear West Ham the club have made it clear um, you know, Michael Antonio has talked about it. Mark Noble has talked about it. That, mm. that this is something about solidarity. And I, and I urge people to have a look at the little video that Shaka Hislop, um, in his role as president of Show Races and the Red Card, has put up online today. Um, you know, obviously, a, a, you know, a hammer great, you know, a former hammer. Um, and it's brilliant. He says it's about players sticking up for other players. They're the ones who take the abuse. And if they feel that for five seconds to take a respectful gesture like that. If they, you know, it's one thing to go, oh, do you know what, I don't, it's it's a bit overused now. And uh, it's, oh, I don't know what, it, it's not really changing anything. And I hear people say that actually it's a way of absolving clubs and authorities of doing something yeah. about it. All of those may be entirely fair arguments. So shut up for five seconds. That's absolutely. All. Let yeah, them do it. Exactly, totally, yeah. That was my point I put on the post, you know, I think it's, of course, you have every right to disagree, disagree with them. You might not, you know, um, but you don't have the right, I think, to disrespect them in that way. Um, you know, I think it's just a question of being polite as much as anything else, isn't it? Yeah, you know, exactly. um, in the same way as we don't expect people to, 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 you know, boo and shout and jeer when we're having a, a minute silence for, for, um, you know, a player of another club or, or who's died or, or, or anything Absolutely like that. Right. It's just, it's just, that it's any, any gesture which is being taken, which is being done with, with sincerity and with a sense of, of, um, what's the right word, but a sort of sense of, of, of purpose and, and ceremony about it just, just deserves a little bit of respect. It seems to me, whether or not you agree with it or not, it's not the point. actually. Well, well, and that's what it is about, isn't it? It's about equality. Yeah. It's about respect. And it's about being anti-racist. And that's what it's about. And it's about respecting that. And yeah. the players are diverse. And I think in what, again, like if we ever, we're going to speak about the Euros, but um, Gareth Southgate's open letter was brilliant. His oh, leadership, wonderful. wonderful yeah. letter. Clearly, yeah. oh, my God, as a leader, I think a lot of people, and I think we know we might be talking about, could learn from him uh, about... Um, how to run a club, how to uh, actually bring people with you and actually explain why our players are taking the knee. And the England side were representative of a diverse country. England, they are the most representative of this country. Yeah, and you could have the Olympics team to that, can't you? The whole summer of sport has been a celebration of what what, what a modern forward-thinking, you know, diverse nation we 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 mm. are, we, we are yeah. to a certain extent and can be you know um, and it's just a different vision unfortunately to a lot of 
you know, the right wing media and and our politicians. I'm afraid. But, anyway, I, well, part of my just one just brief point on that. Well, part of, in my previous incarnation when I used to work for Five Live as a as a, um, a, a news editor, one of my jobs used to be to go and cover England games uh, from the point of view of the fans, which meant. You know, clearly meant things like violence, you know, uh, hooliganism, whatever, but it was mm. to cover that side of it. I wasn't there to cover the games. And over several years of doing that, my love of the England team or, you know, went down, even though there's no fault of the players, because of the kind of some, that minority, and a decent minority it was, you know, I, I could not get behind an England team that kind of, you know, that, that, that were represented by people like that. And I think fair play to the work of the Football Supporters Association. But this Gareth Southgate team is a team I felt absolutely comfortable with. Uh, well, I felt this was, a, this was a kind of version of modern England. This wasn't, this wasn't, this was saying, I love my country, which doesn't mean I hate yours. And yeah, I thought yeah. that was a, that was yeah, a yeah. really, really important fact. And 17 of that squad could have played for someone else. But they chose mm. to play for England. Yes, mm. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, mm. and they were and they were good. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. thing. Yeah, <laughs> they did it's an old-fashioned idea. Since 1966, mm. so yeah, uh, oh, so so enjoyable to watch. Really enjoyable. I've got the because I read um, there's a couple of bits I was reading around uh, Gareth Southgate, and he gave each of the players a book called Belonging by Owen Eastwood. Um, it's great. And it just talked about when Owen Eastwood worked with Gareth Southgate and again, talking about, we mentioned earlier, talking about a story and what was us, what brought us all together. Then he did some research into the three lions, where that came from. And it was obviously uh, Richard, well, not obviously, but Richard the Lionheart first in 1197. But what then he also found that uh, the lion also was meaningful in Africa and Asia. So actually, it was about uh, a united, it was more now reflective of all the players. That three lines didn't just mean um, King Richard. This is about other people that have come to this country and supported this country. So it was a really nice piece of work uh, yeah, to bring a team together. And, and you, you think of this current West Ham team is diverse from different nations, different backgrounds, different religions and all that kind of thing. And 50,000 of us get there every other week and support them. But for some people, for the five seconds that they take the knee, we don't support them. Right. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's, it's nuts. Anyway... Um, what did you make of our, our, our boys in the um, in the Euros, the West Ham players in the Euros? Because I, I, I was sort of rooting for the Czech Republic until we had to play them, um, and I thought, um, you know, Super was just 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 same old same old, wasn't it? Just just you know, uh, those, fantastic those, engine. Those memes engine. that went those memes that went round after Kufel just followed Jack Grealish around for what <laughs> felt like about four hours, and there was that great one of the guy Grealish looking in his rearview mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mirror. And there's and there's Kufel. That's the way he played throughout the Euros, wasn't it? You know, he's just yeah. he's he is relentless. And, yes. and, you know, and, and always on the right side of it, as far as I can see as well. You know, there's nothing, yeah. you know, there's nothing rough about him in that respect. Tough, yes. Um, but I agree with you. I thought those two were fantastic. And, and Yarmolenko, actually. Again. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I yeah. think Yarmolenko played, played all right on... Cracking uh, goal uh, on the first game. Uh, yeah, the, a great game it's, in that. In that a classic goal. A classic yeah, Yarmolenko. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. apparently he likes to cut in on his left. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows that. <laughs> You'd never know. Um, 
he's, uh, you know, I think he's much more. I think it's the fate very often of players who get and who get injured who are, and unlucky with in, injuries that they often get the fact that they're out with injuries um, and that all players struggle coming back from injuries and so on often blights the way people people see them because I think when Yarmolenko first came into the side he was a signing that a lot of West Ham fans were excited perhaps we got him a year or two just past his peak but but we were quite excited about him and he was terrific I remember that game up at Evans Everton where he combined with Arnautovic and scored twice and um you know I thought oh this is a fantastic fantastic signing and then he got that Achilles injury, didn't he? Um, I think it was against Manchester United. And they're really notoriously difficult injuries to, to you know, come back from. And actually, I thought he showed a lot of kind of energy and stamina in that in that um, European Championship. And I, 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 he looked all right on them. So, mate, you know, who knows? I, I, don't, I don't suppose that his wages, we're going to, he's going to see out his contract, isn't he? So, yeah. Uh, I think seeing that, De- that time we get the best out of him. I think seeing Declan and the um, and Thomas Suchek and Kufal, you know, talking after the game with such kind of great to see you. It just looked like three yes. mates who you know who went yeah. to this who all went to the same school but found themselves now playing for different clubs. And you know, it was mm. it was just great seeing that kind of genuine, not a kind of little nod. See you later. It was real kind of what the hell are we all doing here? It's brilliant. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and seeing them on the touchline, giving the cross hammers, yeah, was great yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, really good. And it was great what seeing Rice. I thought he was yeah. great. A really, he was, um, he was terrific. Um, oh, really and good. I, and I think what he also did, thank goodness, even though it's not an issue, it's never been an issue for us. But again, all the keyboard warriors out there go, what exactly does Declan Rice do? Well, did you watch any of those games? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, it, and Phillips as well was terrific. As as at that double pivot in midfield, totally you right. know. Were, were were so good. Um, mm. I felt, and, and interestingly enough, my so I I had to watch the final with my my Italian friend Luca, my my um, daughter's partner. Um, it, it got a little bit tense in in places, <laughs> but um, uh, it was quite. I'd watched all the Italian games with him, uh, you know, through the tournament as well. So um, I, I, I I'd come to like that Italian team. Um, but the fact that they're they left that left back who was brilliant was out was a real I thought oh we've got a chance with that with mm. him. Um, he felt and I felt that um, uh, he took the wrong midfielder off took 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 Rice off and and that was a mistake and I, I felt we lost control of midfield after yeah. after Rice went on. We did. Um, the only theory we could come up with we were watching a big group. In fact, I was watching it with Mark as well yeah. and. Um, in our group, the you know people were saying, well, there must have been some stats, there must have been something that showed that either he was tiring or they were, t- you know, whatever. Possibly. So you're right. You're right. It made no sense, and 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 we obviously are biased, but it made yeah. no sense. Well, I, yeah, I mean, Luca's a bit of a West Ham fan now, anyway, so maybe he's biased as well. But I mean, I think he felt that worked out well for for Italy, really. Uh, but they trip. did. They kept replacing him, though, didn't they? They kept. He was the option to come off. Yeah, wasn't he? a number of games, which I didn't. Yeah, you know, I again got them by. I I didn't quite understand, but um, I thought again he really he cemented his place in that England side. He didn't feel because um, mm. oh God, I get nervous like watching uh, when it's like your son playing when I'm seeing Rice play, and then I suppose when it went to pens. There was a little bit of me that was—I was quite happy that Rice wasn't on there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, not that I didn't think he'd score, but I didn't want to be put through that as well as yeah. a penalty yeah. shoot. That that invested. I, I was in the um, I was in the stadium in South Africa when Robert Green conceded that goal against America. And oh I, dear! And I, and I get exactly as you say. I thought that that yeah. that, that could have been my son. And, yeah. and as much as we love Robert Green, he, he he isn't in our hearts in the way that Declan Rice is. Mm. No, no, no. I, 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 that, do you know that was my fault because I, I was watching it with um, with, with friends, a uh, family, Liverpool fans, and um, they'd seen quite a bit of West Ham um, with me, and uh, we'd all agreed that you know. Green wasn't wasn't maybe you know the, the greatest goalkeeper in the world, but you know the one thing is he's really solid and very rarely made mistakes. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I said that at, uh, as that game kicks off, as it, and uh, you know, but of course he'd only been told on the morning of the game he was playing, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. I think you know you get, we talk about professionalism and management and the way it works. Yeah, Capello told him, you know, kept it secret. How does that help a sportsman's psychology? You know, how does it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, seems mm. crazy to me. Mm. To, it's kind of kind of play mind games like that mm. with your own your own players it was uh... and that's what you think Gareth Southgate didn't do with the England team it, 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 uh, the number of players were talking about they all knew even if they weren't in the side they all knew his decision they were thought about when he was making his decision and he always called out the players didn't he that didn't make it into the side so he must he, he must be regretting the bringing the subs on for the penalties though so I think that was a managerial mistake. And I said that at the time. I said, don't think this is a sensible and idea. Because I think you're coming into the, that pressure situation cold. No warm-up, no blood, no adrenaline of the game running through you. I think that, I think he, he, he sold those lads at hospital pass. And, I really do. And leaving Grealish until the night, you know, two minutes into extra time. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it yeah. was as if in that last ten minutes, when actually I thought we were slightly the better team in that last ten minutes, it was as if he yeah. was—he was almost like he was going. You thought that might have been the time to, you know, it's one thing yeah. to take Declan Rice off if you're going to go for an adventurous. If you're yeah. going to say, right, okay, Declan, fantastic, we're we're going for broke, it's a final, so yes. come, come on, Jack, off you go, mate. You know, yeah. that, that we, I think we'd have all taken that. It just felt like it was. Well, let's try and get through, and then the masterstroke. Bear in mind everything we understood. You know, Chris Powell, in fact, I believe, was part of the team, um, another ex-Hammer, who, who, who was working with them about the psychology of penalties, about how some people don't want to be in that line-up on the halfway mm. line because they, they feel the fear. So they were going to have, all of them were going to have their individual routines. And I, must admit, I went into those penalties far less trepidation. I, I honestly thought, Pickford, I genuinely thought, and I think, Mark, you might recall me saying this, I thought Pickford would be great. Because yeah. I just don't think he cares if, if mm. you see what I mean. I don't think that gets to him. I know he's had problems with his temperament, mm. but then I thought, well, they're going to be all right here because they've worked mm. on these routines, and it was, it yeah. Was, and I think if it would have gone the other way, he would have been called a genius. Yes, he took that risk. Yeah, and, and he took responsibility for it and and did as much as he could to protect them. Um, but you kind of president. knew what, what was yeah. going to happen when they when they missed in terms of the kind of response. But you know, yeah. anyway, it was a, it was a brilliant in, tournament. Yeah, there is presidents in other sports, isn't there? It's American football, you bring on a kicker too. Yes, yeah, it, we so. don't have that, but we don't have that. Yeah. We don't no, have I, that. I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, you we know, talked about yeah. that throughout the tournament as well, didn't we? The stigma of being a substitute. In actual fact, what I mean is the stigma—the kind of you're not quite considered the best. Well, in rugby and other sports, they have finishers. 
you know, that's yes, your, yes, yes, yes. You, so you the, come on the and you change the game. on for the last yeah. two innings. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you you come and change the game. You, we, we've yeah. done our bit. We've got you here. Now you go and finish it. Which yeah. is yeah. way of looking yeah. at. Um, nine substitutes allowed in the uh, talking of um, uh, sort of rosters and things. Uh, nine substitutes allowed on the bench this season. So you're allowed to, to use three. Change. You're allowed to use three though. Plus but, concussion. Um, again, it's another. You know, <laughs> our bench is going to look. Thinner and thinner, isn't it? I think you know is another um, slight, just tiny advantage to the really big bigger clubs with their yeah. big squads. Just the options mm. to to mm. kind of you know respond to to the tactical shape of the game. But um, you know, uh, it's, there, there is a kind of steady move, isn't there, towards with you know concussion uh, protocols yeah. and whatever. To to I think football is heading towards becoming more of a squad game like a lot of other sports are i'm not sure i never necessarily want to see that i think these five substitute things um feel do disrupt the game a bit too much i've always felt that about rugby you know suddenly mm. the entire world seems to be coming on you know at, at the 60 minute mark it's sort of kind of yeah. breaks the continuity and the flow of the of the if, game but if, if you're man city you know and you've got nine on the bench you want to give i don't know um Bernardo Silva, you want to get sit him on the bench because it's close to being on the pitch and he'll come on, whoever it is. We'll know every single one of those nine players when they come and play us. We'll know every single one of them. And most of them will be worth about 35 million quid. Um, in our case, this is a good opportunity for some of those young players we mentioned right at the beginning of this conversation. Here you are, you're associated with the match, you'll do the pre-match stuff, you may well play, you may not, but, you know, this is a way of bringing you through, so it isn't that big, you know, it isn't the Robert Green on the morning you're suddenly playing, you've been part of this, you're part of the setup, and I also think that fits into the Moise ethos. Yes. You know, there's a a big family of us going here, all right, some of you won't play. Uh, but you know you're going to be on the bench. You're going to be doing the warm up in front of the crowd. You're going to experience yeah. the atmosphere. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, that, I think that could work in our favour. Um, right. Well, chaps, we've been talking a long time. So um, I think uh, Mark, you and I, Mark Sandell, you and I both go into Newcastle, I believe. Yes. Well, um, uh, um, and we'll we'll hope to up. see you there. Yeah. Phil's coming with me, so we'll be able. I was to meant to be that. going. But oh. then I did, I was meant to be going with Mark, but then I did, I forgot, when I told my wife, she reminded me it was my daughter's 80th birthday, and oh. I couldn't change it. Jim, I, I just feel, <laughs> I, Jim, I just feel some people are more committed to the cause. Yeah, that's, that's, all I, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did say to Kev said, Kev said to me, so you're definitely, definitely going to come. Def- I said, Hundred percent, Kev. <laughs> Next day, Kev. Uh, I can't make it. So I yeah. 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 Oh well. I was going to make a full weekend of it, like you, Mark. But then uh, I, 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 yeah, my wife's visiting. A, I'm dog sitting and garden sitting basically on Saturday, so I'll have to drive up on the on the Sunday. Uh, predictions for that game, then. How do we feel? I'm sorry, I, I did already say earlier. I just, I've, I've, um, me and Kev have been mates since the late nineties, and we, and we go to pretty much it. I've only missed a couple, and they were the two that we won. I've never seen us win at St James's Park, okay. And sadly, I don't think that's going to change. So, but I will, I'll slightly revise it, and I think I'll go for a one-all. Okay. You weren't Mark, there for the Lazaridis special. Oh yeah. Yeah, Mark. 
Mark, I think this is going to be your first victory that you're going to see at St. James's Park. I, I think 2-1 West Ham. Right. I, that, well, I was going to go. I, I'm going to. I'm going to be bold. I think. I think we're going to beat them three one. There you go. If, if, if Phil was here and he wasn't, you know, tied up with whatever, um, he'd probably go four one, wouldn't he? He'd go something. Yeah, he'd go. <laughs> it's quite often. Often a, he has this kind of claim to be a kind of mystic Meg claim because uh, he's come up with some sort of wild uh, predictions about. But it's very often because he just goes last and everyone's taken the sensible scores, like one or two, one. So they go, oh, five. I, have, I, I, I generally put money on whatever he says and I've lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my big coup last season, I called the three all at Spurs, which wasn't very, did, looking yeah. very good with eight minutes to go, was it? But there you go. I anyway. Think I think that's why they turned it round, Jim. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks for joining me. This has been uh, the first stop hammer time. What we hope will be another uh, great season. Uh, with me have been Mark Sandell. Good evening. And Mark Gower. Good night. And I'm Jim Grant. Cheerio. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.